form that had sheltered pirates and cowboys and bank robbers began to lean on a crazy angle, and with every gale we'd find new branches fallen on the grass. But the fruit kept coming in staggering quantities. So it seems no one had the heart to deal with the problem, and of course that no one can only have been mum. It wasn't as though Wally and I were ever going to take to the thing with pruning saws. I'm pretty confident we never affected any kind of chivalry for mum. Anyway, we liked the old tree, especially when it thrashed drunkenly in the wind and we could hear its tortured wooden squeals from our beds. But eventually, the platform became too dangerous, and Mum appeared one day with the chainsaw. We'd been kicking the football, and suddenly she was there at the side gate with this forestry-grade monster she'd borrowed from a neighbour. A huge, ravenous-looking thing, teeth on a chain, bolted to a motor. I can still see her paused at the gate with one hip slightly akilter, projecting an inner awareness of how cool she suddenly appeared. She had her massive imitation Dior sunglasses on, probably in lieu of protective goggles, and her hair pushed back behind a paisley bandana. Wally dropped the footy. There could be only one purpose for her appearance, and, although it was going to cost us our lair, it was going to be good. It took her a couple of goes to get the sore started. Then it coughed and caught. There was a squirt of blue smoke, and she held it up with a satisfied look round her mouth. She gave it a rev, then another, as she eased it into the bark. Sawdust swirled around her and settled in her hair. She worked the blade horizontally into the trunk, weaving the saw in and out, squinting behind the Dior's. I can still see the veins running down her biceps. There were two loud cracks as the timber gave way and the entire weight of the tree settled onto the bar of the chainsaw, choking the chain and killing the motor. She stood back for a moment, indecisive with a hand on her hip. Then she did the best thing I ever saw her do. She jumped up from where she stood, hooked her hands on a low-hanging limb and hung there, like a gibbon, yanking at it. She swung through the air a couple of times, kicking freely with her bare feet, the girl we'd never known her to be, and the tree reacted with a few more fibrous pops. Then, down it came, apricots thudding and rolling all over the place. Mum lost completely under the canopy of leaves. We could hear her under there, shrieking with laughter, cracking twigs in her efforts to climb out. The foot of the tree was cut off square except for a jagged horn of timber on one edge, where it had stretched and snapped. The chainsaw had fallen out by this stage, and Mum took it up again, working the cord and the choke until it spluttered into life once more. With a sweep of the snarling arm, the splinter was gone. We raked and scooped and brushed for an hour or more, the brittle afternoon sun of autumn picking up the gold among the leaf litter. By the time we cleared the whole mess away, a squared-off stump stood in the middle of the lawn, roughly equidistant from the three paling fences. Wally disappeared into the garden shed and emerged with a tape measure. She'd cut exactly at bale height, twenty-eight inches by nine. We watched her saunter off, twigs in her hair, the chainsaw resting on that same cocked hip. Accident or design? As with most things Mum did, the line was blurred and she wasn't saying. But forever after, the stump was our stumps. And in the current memory, the stump is an arm's length behind me as I stare down my brother. The bat in my hands is an SP, as used in tests by England Captain Tony Gregg. He's tall, implacable, patient. All the things I'm not. The dog at our feet is Sam, a grossly obese staffy. 
The lawn's kept down by an ancient hand mower that's always been there. Razor-sharp blades made to look innocuous by rust. It didn't come from anywhere, and it'll never go anywhere. Those deep shades of autumn are last year now, when we were smaller. Here, in high summer, where my memories crowd more sunlight as a scatter of bleaches and reflections. At backward point, there's a banksia. At extra cover, a holly bush where Sam likes to shit. At mid-off, a bear patch where nothing, not even grass, grows. It's lightning fast if you send a drive through there. Off drive, I mean. I assume you're keeping up. I'm a lefty. Mid-on's the veggie patch. Never grows anything but tomatoes this time of year. Stinging nettles along the back. Dirty bare feet in there come out red-wilted. Mid-wicket is the shortest boundary, formed by the Apostolosis's fence. Directly behind those palings, separated by a spindly potosporum, is their kitchen. If you